around this church community to, to feeding on God's word. I'm, I'm, I'm page uh, 916 in the Green Bibles, or if you're following on a phone or tablet, uh, Matthew chapter 4. And it's, um, maybe it's sort of still part of our, our sort of getting into the new year. We're uh, spending these few weeks just paying attention to our mission statement. Um, just as you're finding the page, uh, uh, our vision, I, I'm not a great fan of vision statements because I, I kind of think we've already, we've got the greatest vision there can be. In one word, Jesus. Two words, Jesus Christ. Um, five words, Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. Uh, it, Jesus. We, we want to I mean, I think the vision is for each and every one of us to live like Jesus lives, uh, to think like he thinks, to see as he sees, to love as he loves. That's, that's my view. I want to shut my eyes and open them. In, in a year's time, I hope I'm more like Jesus. That's my, that's my vision. Imagine what will that be for me as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, um, as a Fulham supporter, as, as, you know, in every aspect of my life, more and more like Jesus. So that's the vision. But in order to get there, we kind of, um, you have a kind of a mission. Mission is from the Latin, missio, I send. We are all mandated or commissioned, co-together, mission, sent. We're, we're sent together to make a difference in our world, to bring light and love and salt, flavor into our world. We're sent out. We're not called primarily to gather like this, although this is an important part of being a Christian, that we encourage one another, feed on God's word, uh, uh, just you know, grow in love and fellowship. But we're not meant to be, we're not called to be a holy huddle, hiding away in this weird building. We're called to make a difference. And so the, the mission, you'll often find mission is, is laced, if, if a vision is a, is a noun, then mission is a verb. Um, and so here, oh, can we have the, is that right to have the, there it is, to grow. There's the infinitive. To grow mission-minded disciples who live for Jesus wherever they are. It's kind of got action. It's got intent. It's got purpose. It's got movement. And that is the mission. That's a sort of statement that we, as a PCC leadership, we, we got together, uh, I don't know, two, three years ago now. And we want to sort of refresh it, look at it. Uh, what does this mean for each and every one of us? Uh, last week, we had some amazing testimonies of people who are going <laughs> out in some way, shape, or form. Next week, um, Max Perkin, who is our church warden, he's going to be speaking on, uh, particularly on the element of uh, wherever they are, that kind of, if you like, situational witness, evangelism, um, ministry, in wherever God calls us to be. Uh, and today, I want to think about what it is to be um, a disciple. Actually, if I was going to be... Uh, the thing I, the phrase I really want to take is disciples who live. What is it to, to live for Jesus as a disciple? So here we are in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. And they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, 
And immediately they left their boats and their father and followed him. How would you define disciple? What is a disciple? Actually, I, I used to be a teacher. I, 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 find, I, I do find these sort of monologues quite difficult sometimes. So just turn to someone either side of you, in front or behind. What's a disciple? Can you come up with a snappy definition? That's great. Um, how do you want to play it now? Do we, do we do sort of do we just sort of leave that, or do you want to call out some answers? Have we, people got some really good definitions? This is risky because, of course, your definition might be turn out to be way better than what I've got here. In which case, I'm I'm snookered. Or you're just going to be really polite. Come on, down the front here. Yes, Sam. Following someone or something in a disciplined way, like that. I like that. Committed follower, thank you. Any others? An apprentice, okay, like that. Someone, yeah, you join to someone who's, who's accomplished in some way with a view to learning, like that. Apprentice, committed follower, uh, follow someone in a disciple or disciplined way. Brilliant. Oh, okay, unconditional trust implicit in that. Yeah, you get the kind of real, so it is a real stepping out in faith. I really trust the person I'm following. Yeah, that's really helpful. <laughs> I, I, I got initially follower. Um, you just here in Matthew, Jesus comes, he sees these guys, verse 19, come, follow me. Actually, look at the implicit trust in... Um, in James and, and John, and that, the, the second two brothers that he calls, verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father, just think about that, that boat was their livelihood, that was, that they left their job, and they left the father, the, the, the source of any inheritance they might have. You, we could say they left everything. That's, that's pretty high trust, isn't it, there and then, simply on an invitation, come, Follow me. So, so when we say follower, yeah, it's, it's, it's more than just sort of, uh, I'll just follow them. It's giving myself the idea of an apprentice or in a, in a disciplined, committed, com- wholehearted way. Giving myself to, to another who will lead me, teach me. Um, I hope you'll forgive the indulgence of this analogy because uh, I recognize not everyone is able to, maybe to, to, to go on a ski holiday, but I, I, I went on a ski trip re- recently um, like the one I'm thinking of is over a year ago with the, the church. We organized a church ski trip and all these all you young things were kind enough to uh, let Joe and I um, tag along. And my, our skiing, my, my skiing, it was a bit rusty. Unfortunately, we went with Marcus and Camille Erler, 
or uh, Camille Sexton, who's married to Marcus Erler, but she, she keeps her name. Um, uh, Camille is our church treasurer, does a fantastic job. And Marcus comes along occasionally to the, to the 8.30 with her. But he was basically grew up in Switzerland and he was born with skis on his feet. I think he could ski before he could walk. Uh, and he's just one of those guys who makes skiing look effortless. But he was so generous. Uh, and he basically gave Joe and I a kind of one-on-one tuition, a, a sort of ski instruction for the afternoon. And he, he offered a few... Um, sort of tips about, you know, how to have your weight and weight transference and edging and stuff that was sort of in my head. If I'm honest, that wasn't particularly helpful in terms of becoming a better skier. The most helpful thing was if I tried to do exactly what Marcus did, just to follow him. I tried to get my skis to be exactly in the, in the kind of uh, the wake of his skis. That when he turned, I turned. <laughs> I mean, he just made it look effortless. This sort of, you know, this sort of effortless sort of sashaying down the And I'm kind of like a gorilla on a bar of soap, kind of trying to keep up with him. But actually, it, it wasn't about thinking or working it all out cognitively. It was just follow. And, and in following, keep your eyes. Don't take your eyes off yourself and focus on him. In fact, I found if I just didn't think or look about myself, but just focused on Marcus my skiing got better. I came to the conclusion that the best way to improve in skiing, and I wonder whether this application applies to life, is, is as far as possible to take our eyes off ourselves, not to think about ourselves, and to, to do whatever it is you're doing while watching Jesus. In this case, in the analogy, it's just going downhill watching Marcus. Just keep your eyes on Marcus. Do everything Marcus does. But, but my vision is not, I didn't, my, my, my number one aim was not to become a follower of Marcus. I don't want to just only ski when Marcus skis. That's a bit inconvenient uh, if he's in another country. I want to follow Marcus and ski like he's skiing so that ultimately I don't need him. I, I, I want to do everything while watching Marcus so that I become as good as him. That, it seems to me, is the point of discipleship, of committed learning, of disciplined learning, of, of unconditional trust. It is, it is so that I become more and more like Jesus, a disciple, uh, a follower, with a view to becoming like him. And the, the trust bit is, I, I know, if we extend that analogy a bit, I knew that Marcus knew the slopes like the back of his hand. So I knew that he knew where the difficult bits were, the icy bits or uh, the bits where we could speed up or where we need to slow down. Uh, so I, could compl- I didn't have to worry about that. I could trust that he knew. Jesus, he, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He was there at your creation. He, he knows exactly what you're going to face this week. He is the perfect life guide. And he will take you at a rate which will challenge you but not overwhelm you in order that he can grow you and his life grows and develops as you do what he does while looking at him and listening to him. So a disciple takes their eyes off themselves to focus on Jesus to do exactly what he does in whatever context he's called you to be in. Disciples who live, 
disciples who live for Jesus. It, not this bland, passive following. Not a kind of, oh, I ought to go to church. I ought to go to group. I ought to read my Bible. I ought to pray. But people who live for Jesus. There's a difference between living and being alive. This is, this is living. Um, just a quick show of hands for anyone who did GCSE biology. Oh, look at you, scientists in the room. Okay, do, does the acronym Mrs. Gren mean anything to you? Yeah, Mrs. Gren? Oh, I quite like, I'm going with the participants today. Can we, can we, can we remember? Movement, the M, what, the R? Respiration, S? Sensitivity, so star pupils over here. G? Growth, uh, the R, second R? Reproduction, heard it over here. The E? Excretion, excrement, who said <laughs> excretion? Uh, the N? Nutrition. Mo if those are the vital signs of life for any living organism or organization, both. Anything that purports to live and have life and in a proactive way, from a cell to a multinational organization, in the plant world, in the human realm, in any living organism or organization, will have signs of movement, respiration, that's, that's where we turn the oxygen we breathe into energy through mitochondria in our lungs. It's, 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 a it's a creation of energy to live. Without that, you'll die. Sensitivity, that's vital. If I'm not aware of a burning, roaring fire there, because I'm completely insensitive, I'll just walk into it, and, or electric thing. If I don't sensitive and move, I'll cause myself an electric shock. I could kill myself. Sensitivity, vital. Growth. Four-year-old, that high. Eighteen-year-old, same height. Something's not going right with life. We, we grow. It's a sign of life. Reproduction. Most species, all species, in some way, shape, or form, pay attention to the reproduction of the species. Otherwise, the species dies out. It's a vital sign of life. Excretion. Life basically means we, we build up toxins. You are all excreting at the moment in that you're breathing out carbon dioxide. And if you didn't, you'd die. We, we build up toxins and poisons. We know that in our communal life. You think about an organization. It isn't that toxins and poisons and bad stuff builds up. That just happens. The issue is what do we do with it as a, as a, a vital sign of life? How do we cleanse? Confession in the Christian world. And nutrition. We need to feed. We need fuel that uh, enables a healthy life. What are we feeding on? Vital signs of life. I could, could go through all seven, I won't. I'm just gonna, just gonna spend the rest of the time on, on the first one, movement. Disciples, active followers of Jesus, are people who are willing and able to move. Let, let's just think about that in a number of examples in, in the world in which we live. Um, I'm told that a sunflower, if you, if you watch a sunflower on a time release thing, you know, the, the sped up film, it, it, the, 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 the petal, the head of the flower, will track the sun through the day, which is quite a good little analogy in and of itself, isn't it? Just where is the sun? I'm always just going to follow the sun. It, it moves in order to maximize all that it needs to grow from the sun. Think about a seed tiny seed, it, it, in order to fulfill its potential, in order for it to grow, to live, it will move. 
shoots will move, uh, sorry, roots will move down in order to seek moisture, and shoots will grow up in search of light. And that's how a seed grows into a flower or plant. Think of a lion and a gazelle out in the Serengeti or wherever it might be. They will both need to move to live in relation to each other and for different reasons. <laughs> because the lion sees the gazelle and thinks, lunch. I need to move towards lunch if I'm going to live, nutrition. But the gazelle thinks, if I'm going to avoid being lunch and, and carry on living, I need to move away from the lion. So both need to move to live. You're crossing the road and the number 22 bus is bearing down upon you. You'll need to move if you want to be safe to live. An inability to move will seriously, in that context, endanger your life. Movement. If you come into my study and you see me uh, absolutely stock still for 10 minutes, you'll go, oh, Reverend Tim Stilwell, what a holy man, deep in meditation. But if you come into my study and you see I haven't moved for 24 hours, I hope you'd be concerned. And if you came into my house and I haven't moved for a week, then um, you're probably standing there with the undertaker. I'm dead. Movement. Now here's, here's the application. God's people, this, this whole book here is, is, if it's nothing else, it's a story of God's people in movement as they respond to him. Constantly in movement. That is what it is to follow Jesus intentionally. It is to pay attention to his call, his lead, his prompt, his stimuli, and to move. Abraham, Genesis 12. God says to Abraham, leave your country, your family, your kinsmen, and go. Movement. Exodus. Exodus 13, Moses leading the people out of captivity in Egypt to the promised land via the wilderness, led by a, a cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. Movement. The temptation in so many of us is to settle. Maybe as a little sort of uh, sidebar spiritual exercise. See how much of a day or a week or a month you spend in, in kind of sorting and administration in order to kind of settle. Sort of sorting things out, filing things, and, and, and making every, sure everything has its place so that it, we can settle. And th there's something of a, of a kind of non-conformist call on our lives, not actually to... to I'm just good to have things around and to know where things are, but not to get into mentality, a stasis of, of settling, because God is calling us as disciples of Jesus Christ, wherever we are, to be ready to move. Did you, did you hear the, the movement just in these two short paragraphs? As Jesus was walking, movement. Beside the Sea of Galilee saw the two brothers, Simon and Peter. They were casting their nets. He says, verse 19, come, that's movement, follow me. And so they left their nets and followed him. Movement. Going on from there, verse 21, more movement. He saw two other brothers and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. That, that passage is laced with movement. 
in response to Jesus. That actually is the uh, come, follow me in Matthew's gospel. It's the first command of Jesus recorded in, in Matthew's account of his life. And the last command of Jesus recorded in Matthew 28, quite well known, we know it's the Great Commission, when he says, go. First command, come. Final command, go. In Matthew, 56 occasions, Jesus either says, come, or come to me, or go. Matthew 11, come to me, you who are weary, you're stressed out, you're burdened. I can can see it, come to me and and rest. But we don't stay there. He says to the 12 and the 72, he commissions them to go into the neighboring towns and villages. Come and go. You You could almost... Summarize Matthew's gospel as, as just an, an ebb and a flow of come and go, of movement. To what extent does this resonate with your experience of discipleship, of, of kind of following Jesus' tracks, where he calls you to come and to go, to move with him? Now, how does movement occur in, in, the, in, the, in the kind of biological sense? It, movement is the result of a stimulus, actually stimuli, multi-stimuli all the time. Either external stimuli in the environment in which we live, uh, we respond to other living things. Again, if you think about the lion and the gazelle, they are each responding to another living thing in its environment. Um, or it's our, our ability to, to sense. That's why movement and sensitivity are closely linked in the, in the Mrs. Gren acronym. It's our ability to be aware, to become sensitive to shifts or changes in our environment. Either brought about by other people or by circumstances or... Uh, it could be our, our culture and the, and the values. Again, I just reminded um, reading the, the tragic example of that, that that first when we the first tsunami that we had in the Philippines in 2005, which tragically killed thousands of people. Uh, um, one of the things when the, before the before the sea just surged with this this incessant powerful wave onto the land, in order before that by preparation that it withdrew. And it was a rather strange phenomenon. The, 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 the sea just sort of withdrew really, really quickly, down, 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 down the beach. And a whole lot of people noticed this change, this stimulus in the environment, holidaymakers and so on. And they made one or two choices. They both moved. Tragically, some people went, oh, oh wait, and they followed the tide out. They went down the beach. And tragically, they were never heard of again. But some people who were clued in, uh, possibly more natives there, saw what was happening, thought, no, I know what that means. It was a stimulus. I need to move, but not towards it. I need to run away. And and fortunately, there were those who saw what was happening and realized what was about to happen and moved as a result of that stimulus in their environment. And uh, a number of them, fortunately, were saved. We're here today as with millions and millions of people around the world, because the early Christians, a handful of Jesus' followers, responded to stimulus. 
either positive stimuli or, or in some cases negative, but God was still able to use that. We read about it in the book of Acts or the book of movement. <laughs> in, in Acts chapter one, the Holy Spirit says, stay in Jerusalem and I, uh, the Spirit will come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Spirit will cause you to move. Uh, in, in Acts 13, when Paul and Barnabas are set apart for specific missionary journeys so that the gospel can be taken to people who've not yet heard about Jesus. And, and by derivation, the gospel has come to us because people responded to the stimulus of the Spirit. Go here, go here. There's an opportunity here. Speak to that man. Baptize that family. Go, move in, in response to stimulus. Even the negative stuff, in Acts 8 and 9, we read of persecution and the church was scattered. But where were they scattered to? Parts of Judea and Samaria <laughs> and to the ends of the earth. And as they went, they shared the good news of Jesus Christ. So that was a negative stimulus. It still, through the movement, gave rise to the expansion and growth of the church. We're constantly being stimulated to move. How is God prompting you, nudging you to move as you follow him towards a circumstance or situation, towards a challenge? Or maybe it's away from a danger, from a, a lifestyle, a, a way of being that is going to inhibit your ability to follow him well. There'll be all sorts of stimuli if you're attentive, prompting you towards Jesus and away from harm. How responsive are you? Am I? At the start of this new year, attentive to every turn and twist of our key instructor as we seek to follow him. Final thing on, on movement as a, as a sort of reflection a sign of life for disciples who want to live for Jesus wherever they are. It's hardly ever uniform. In fact, it's interesting, we, we have a phrase, don't we, um, going through the motions. We, we might say, oh, oh Tim's, you know, it's derogatory, isn't it, really? We, we, oh, Tim's just going through the motions. Yeah, they're, they're just really going through the motions. It's because it's describing movement, they're going through the motions, but, but it, we understand it as derogatory, don't we? In fact, effectively what we're saying is mm, they're on their way to death. They're just going through the motions. They're kind of, nah, they've lost it. They're, they're off the pace. They're... And implied in that is that movement is, well, it's rhythmic. Sometimes it's accelerated. Sometimes it's quite intense. Sometimes, maybe actually as a, as a sort of weird corollary, although I think it works, sometimes the call is to stop. We're too frantic. We're too energized. We're too active. Pause. Slow. Calm. Interesting, in that Acts 1.8, where the Spirit says, I'm, I'm going to come on you and, and you will move. But before that is the command, stay where you are. Stay in Jerusalem. Be still. As a kind of healthy corollary to just sort of aimless, mindless movement. Sometimes stop. In order that we can tune into Jesus so that we hear him for when he says, go or come. 
I was reading in, uh, <laughs> in the Church of England newspaper. I must have been bored. Uh, but it was an interesting article, actually, on the call to non-conformism. Uh, as Anglicans, you know, that we're not, we don't tend to think of ourselves as, as non-conformists. But actually, this article is saying, well, maybe we should. Maybe we should look to, to move away from cultural norms, just to be aware. What are the, what are the stimuli that are calling me to live differently? So the author, Alan Storkey, he... <coughs> He calls us, among other things, to non-conform to the idea of self-centered happiness with its thirst for consumption, egocentric relationships, excitement, and exotic experiences. How will I live for Jesus in such a way that I move away from that kind of living? What would it look like to, what kind of life am I moving towards? if I don't conform to the pattern of this world, but allow myself to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. He talks about the idea of power as military might, constructing enemies, fighting other nations or people, and compromising peace. To non-conform to all patterns of control and slavery of people through money and finance. To not to conform to the quest for wealth and riches, taking from others and undermining equality and mutuality not to conform to all addictive, ritual, self-indulgent, or non-God-centered behavior that detracts from our life of faith before God. He has various others. Every now and then, we'll become aware of uh, the, the, the stimuli pressurizing us to conform to the world. What would it look like for you, for me, to to grow as a mission-minded follower of Jesus, living for him wherever I am, that will eschew cultural norms and patterns and behaviors in order to live radically non-conformist lives. And to be aware of the movements around us, particularly in this, in this uh, big, lonely, isolating city as, as people are constantly on the move, constantly moving. They, studies show that when people move house, which is, um, or just move dwelling, move where they are, it's, it's, a, it's a major sort of stress point. And Christian studies have shown that people are, are more open to a, a gospel invitation, an invitation to, to consider the claims of Jesus Christ, to, to ask the questions as, as in this course, in a process of moving when there's quite a lot going on. We're, we're kind of letting go of some things and embracing others. We're, we're on a high learning curve, as it were. We're open. And there are opportunities. I was really struck. Someone uh, really attentive to God's prompting uh, wrote to me recently. They, they were a member of our church and they've um, recently moved on. They were kind enough to, to, to write to me to let me know. And they said this, when I moved to London... Uh, like many people, I was taken aback by how easy it was to feel isolated. And not being part of a church only seemed to add to this feeling. And this person described trying to join various churches. And then um, I walked into St. Dee's and instantly felt deeply at peace. His presence was just resting there. People were so warm and welcoming. Well done, people. Thank you. Uh, and she goes on to say it, was, it, just, it was a real home. Uh, and then she says, now to explain the move. For a couple of months, I've been feeling increasingly restless. 
I couldn't discern whether it was a good, inverted commas, restless, or the constant plague of our generation of never being satisfied in the face of ever-increasing choices. I pressed into this and feel an increasing excitement that it is, in fact, the spirit at work stirring things for the next chapter of my life. And uh, so she's decided, uh, for various reasons, to move on from us happily, uh, uh, I think, and if I may, with my blessing, insofar as it's, I'm able to do anything about that. But how wonderful that in moving to London, feeling unsettled, and here was a place she called home, and God was able to do stuff in and through her. And now, the next journey, she's being obedient to his call on her life and moving her on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally aware that as I look out on you now in three years' time, uh, who knows, I'm, I hope I'm still here, uh, I totally accept that many of you won't be. Because hopefully, in a, in a good way, you, you've, you rest here, you, you, okay, I'm listening, God. What are you calling me to do right here, right now? To be a mission-minded follower of you, wherever I am. And you might call me on. I want to be even more fruitful, even more useful, wherever that might be. I kind of, I kind of want you to know that I, while you're here, I'd love you to be totally committed to here. Uh, get connected, get involved, get giving, get out there. These are, these are kind of individual mission statements for anyone who's part of St. D's. This is how you'll make the most of life here. So d- don't shirk in any respect in any of those. But if God is calling you on, on you go. God bless you. But we're open and attentive to movement in our lives. I'm struck by our sort of staple. Um, we, we do this on your behalf because we're available, Lydia and I, one or two others. Are those who, in our area, who um, have, a, have a new birth, a baby, and they, they, they're exploring a baptism. Or they fall in love and they want to get married. Or tragically, someone close to them has died and they, they look to arrange a funeral. The, the Church of England knows them as the occasional offices. In other words, the, the, these are times when an occasion has happened and something has happened. And it involves movement. It involves change. And we as a church are here looking to be responsive to that. But as we invite, primarily it comes through Lydia and I initially, but they, as they look to join in with us, many of the people, particularly in the morning, but often in the evening, come by way of a, an invitation because there's been a stimulus and, and movement and they're here. That's why I'm, I'm hardened by this account, that uh, as people come, they are warmly welcomed because we're playing our part in people who are responding to the stimuli of God. It's not a uniform thing. That's the point I'm trying to make. It, every now and then, something happens. And if we're ready and alert, we can respond to it and move towards what God is doing. disciples who live for Jesus, who are alert to the stimulus of the Holy Spirit, willing and able to move where he's calling you to be, conversations he's calling you to have, situations to confront or to move away from, in order that the life of God through Jesus Christ by his Spirit pours out of you and me. That's our mission, to grow mission-minded disciples who will live for Jesus wherever they are. Let's pause for a moment.
precisely because in, in this moment we can be still. We're not moving anywhere. We can allow heightened attention to any sense that God, by his spirit, is providing a stimulus, maybe reinforcing something he's been saying to us for a little while. Maybe even as I've been speaking and as we're still sort of easing into a new year, you're becoming aware of a direction or a challenge, a call to move. And I'd love to encourage in these few minutes and as we worship again and as we minister, pray for one another for you to take seriously that call to wrestle with it where, where there's implicit challenge. These disciples, they left their boat, they left their father. Abram left everything that was familiar. It's challenging. I'm not saying that discipleship is without cost. But consider that it might be even more risky to stay where you are. Where and to whom is God calling you to move? Calling me to move. just encourage you to keep keep kind of pressing into God keep wrestling with him God loves the people who are kind of nimble enough to hear him and respond for some of us the movement is towards Christ come to me you, you hear that invitation come to me stimulus is actually the, the fact that there's a gap and Jesus is saying let's, let's bridge the gap come as he reaches out to you reach out to him come to him again feel his embrace and others of us there's the call to go.
let's continue to rest into God, lean into him, be attentive to him. That's coming back. Why don't we stand?